Aquila. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. From the mountain top. From the mountain. <laughs> That's right. From the mountain. We're in the mountains right now, uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And uh, we've been here since Thursday. We've had a nice time. But we're at, right after the show, we get back on the road to go back to Charlotte. Heading on back, heading on back. Now, today's show is a very special show. Um, it's the first time that we're going to do a movie review. Yes. <laughs> we're going to do a movie review. Now, we've seen this movie um, twice mm -hmm. together, Lisa and I, and we've also watched um, interviews of the actors mm -hmm. and of the producer. Mm -hmm. We've seen all the clips. We've seen all kinds of stuff, and we formulated our opinion. The movie we're going to review um, is One Night in Miami. And we told you guys ahead of time that this is a spoiler alert. If you have not watched the movie and you plan to watch the movie and you don't want to know what happened in the movie, even though it's a historical, semi-historical account, you already know what happened, but um, then don't watch. Or if you think you can watch our show here today, us talk about it and still enjoy the movie. Then it's okay. Yeah. But I don't want to hear nobody talking about you shouldn't have told me that, or you shouldn't have told me this, or you shouldn't have told me. No, it's, everything is out today. Everything, everything, everything. So make sure you let us know where you're at. If you're uh, on your way to work, if you are already at work, if you're on a train, where are you? What are you doing? And this is also Monday. <clears throat> um, so the first day of the week, first day of the work week. So we do want to hear, how was your weekend? How was your weekend? For one thing, and also, if you have anything exciting you're looking forward to this week, a goal that you want to share or something like that. We'd love to hear all of that. Absolutely. So we're going to start our show officially in just a moment. Just a moment. Absolutely. Good morning. Good morning, Missy. That. <clears throat> so definitely uh, buckle up, buttercup, because we're going to have a good show today. Yes, we will. We're going to have a good show. Good yeah. show. Good Last show. night in the mountains. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, getting to my home. Definitely, I am looking forward to getting home. But I really enjoyed these four days here. Yeah, um, we I came with two so. other couples, and they were fun. We played adult games. We had adult conversations. Um, adult games, not like, adult games. Adult games, like our version of uh, Name That Tune or something, yeah. or um, Jenga, and we played spades. That's what I mean. <laughs> adult games has a really different. That's because of too. your mind. <laughs> to quote the poet group Salt and Pepper. Get your dirty mind out the gutter. Okay, that's no, I, I, I cannot. Hey, Brittany, good morning. Good no morning. Huh? Ain't got no comments. You ain't got no? All right, well, maybe they're on the main page. Okay, cool. That's what we're going to do. <clears throat> so, is it not? <laughs> yes, honey. <laughs> All right, let's then get started. All right, so we are today. Uh, I am Lisa Santiago. And I'm Brian Keith And this is Let's Talk About It on ESP TV 7 on the SIBM Network, iHeart, iTunes, and right here on Facebook Live. This morning, we are doing a movie review. This is Monday morning movie review. The 25th, I believe. By is. the Empowerment Duo. Yes. Yes, now the show is called Let's Talk About It. Now we have threefold focus, personal conversations, business information, and spiritual inspiration. Together we make up the empowerment duo and our and our um, uh, expressed ministry is economic independence through entrepreneurship. That's what we talk about. That's what we're going to do. But we want to add a little twist to it this morning. We're going to do additional to all those things. Uh, you don't look home to me. We're not at home. We're not home. Yeah. We 
we're still in the mountains. Uh, this is our last day in this cabin. We're leaving after the show, heading back home. That's right. Um, so we're going to do all the things we normally do with a twist today. The twist today is that we're also going to do a movie review. Right. Um, movie we loved it very much. We, the movie was called One Night in Miami. Mm -hmm. It's the tale of the night that, at the time, his name was Cassius Clay, won the heavyweight championship over Sonny Liston. Sonny Liston was an eight to one favorite. Cassius was an eight to one underdog. Cassius was 22 years old. And uh, he hung out in a hotel room with four, three of his friends. It was Cassius Clay, soon to be known as Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. That's right. <laughs> Malcolm X was there mm -hmm. as well. Jim Brown, who had just completed a historic season in the NFL, rushing for 1,863 yards in 14 games. That's amazing. And um, uh, uh, dang, I always start with thing. Sam Cook. I was born by the river. That's Sam Cook. Okay, those four yeah, men, those four friends. Sam, at the time, Sam Cook was the, probably the number one rock and roll singer in the world. Okay? Rock and roll, R&B. Well, I think he's R&B too, but Muhammad Ali always referred to him as a rock and roll singer. So I'm deferred to what his friends called them at that time. Okay. okay. So um, this was the directorial debut of Regina King. I know Regina King. Re 227. 227. <laughs> Poetic Justice. Uh, she was in a few, you know, Regina mm. King is. Absolutely. Her directorial debut. We grew up with Regina King, That's right? right. Mm -hmm. So this was her directorial de de debut, and she chose to use this movie i forget the name of the writer this is actually a bit of a creative license taken with the movie it's not an actual account it's a creative account of the day yeah and and based upon truisms now some of the dates are off now this movie is hampered uh to people who know a lot about that history Okay, because they'll know, well, that didn't happen then and that didn't happen then. Yes, that happened, but that happened a year later, not at that time. Right. So they chopped some stuff together to one night. Yeah. It's okay. We're it gonna doesn't hurt the movie. It does not <laughs> hurt the movie, the movie at all. And um, if you guys enjoy this movie review, then maybe we will review other movies in the future. Monday morning movie review, I think, might be a good segment to have coming back again. So the movie starts out. Um, Right before the fight. Yes. Right before the fight, the day of the fight that he's going to fight Sonny Liston. Now, mm. actually, the opening scenes is um, uh, the singer. Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke. He had, you know, at the time, like, this is 1963, 1964. At the time. Oh, at the Copacabana. Yes. Yeah. At the time, ah. people were not fully welcome in all the great venues yeah. of our country. Yeah. And one of the great venues is the Copacabana up in New York City. And he had dreamt of being at that particular venue. It was almost one of his uh, It was a holy gold. grail. Right. A, it was a, a, it something was a sought after a a target. The, if you could ever get to the Copa, then you, yes. know, then you made it if you get to play the Copa. And he starts out, first off, they give him crazy rules. Your guitarist can't be on the stage. Your guitarist has to be up in the bandstand or not at all. We already got people in the bandstand. So, yeah, but it's going to mess up my arrangement. So they're having an argument with the club owner. Well, the club owner's not going for it, okay? He's like, we'll put a magician up before we put y'all up. Yep. Now, this is an all-white audience. Yes. Okay. All-white owned. Okay. Good morning, Beverly. Good morning, Tim. Okay. Good morning, Mr. Vian. So 
he finally has to capitulate because he still wanted to play the Cobra. Right. And he goes up there and he attempts to engage the audience. How y'all doing? Stuff that he would always do. Yeah, but um, this audience <laughs> was not interested. They were ordering food while he was going. They were murmuring and complaining. It was just they didn't not know him. They well didn't care to know him. So he could never connect with the audience. Mm-hmm. And then the song he chose, he thought they would recognize. They did recognize the song, but they recognized the song better when another uh, white woman sang it, Debbie Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they, they like preferred the, they the, preferred the, 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 version. the other version <laughs> to his version. So he just fell flat. Anyway, he, he bombed flat. that night. He really, really did. At the Copa. He really, 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 really did. He bombed. He fell very flat. He went in the back. They tried to diss him. One of his, uh, uh, the, the, the club owner tried to diss him. They kicked him out. But he had to, once again, admit he stank. Yeah, and his boys was there to kind of like put him back together. Yeah. So that's the opening scene. And then um, cut to Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Malcolm X, you know, at the time was being silenced uh, by the Nation of Islam. Because the year before, November the year before, in Dallas, Texas, you guys might remember, 1963, Dallas, Texas, November the 7th, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And and he was a very popular president at the time that he was assassinated. And and everyone was mourning. My grandparents mourned big time. And Malcolm X says he saw that as a sign of chickens coming home to roost. And they kind of took that as a little bit too forward. A little bit too that they, they they put him in his place. Yes, the nation of Islam said that was a very popular man. You shouldn't have did it. You're making us look bad. So for a whole year, for one year, you are silent. You can't speak in any temples. You can't speak in public. So he had to he had to go by that. He had to be silent for a year. Now they don't tell you that in the movie, but they allude to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he couldn't speak out in public, but he did have a friend, and his friend was Cassius Clay, going to fight for the heavyweight champ, and he was. Cash is his spiritual advisor and his teacher. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Julie Ray Hamantry. Actually, November 22nd, 1963. That's right. What well, something else happened November 7th, 1963. But thank you, Julie. Julie, love her some history, honey. And I appreciate y'all. Keep me right. You know? I don't try to quote dates. I try. Because I can remember my birthday. That's almost the only one I remember. See, but if I did if I didn't misquote, Julie wouldn't have the opportunity to correct me. Absolutely. And we wouldn't have had it right. Now we got it straight. So um, then uh, there was there was a decision that uh, Malcolm X was in the process of making as well, because it was not only because he was being silenced that he was silenced. It was also because he had learned some things about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad that did not sit well with him. Yes. And that had caused him to otherwise also decide that he was going to separate himself from the Nation of Islam. Now, a lot of you guys know what Malcolm discovered that caused him to lose uh, favor in his leader, uh, to see his leader as less than what he had seen him. Because mm-hmm. he had saw his leader, Elijah Muhammad, as a god, mm-hmm. and as a spiritual teacher, as a rescuer, as a savior of the earth. And then when he discovered that he had fathered eight children, you know, or nine children by eight different women, something like that. Keep me right, y'all. Eight children by nine different nine children by eight different women. A bunch That's of people. Yes. A bunch of women by teenage girls. A bunch of babies by a bunch of teenage girls. And yes. had not taken care of them or made provision for them. And they got excommunicated out of the nation. The girls, not him. Right. So he thought that was wrong. 
how could you do that? How could you do that to these young girls? Mm -hmm. So that didn't sit well with him. Right. And um, now one of the things that kept getting me confused is I, I, he had not yet made his Mecca because once he, once his, his Hodge, right. Mm -hmm. Once he had made his Hodge and this wasn't in the movie, but he also realized that the nation of Islam had taken some creative license as it relates to their interpretation of Islam. Yes. When he got a chance to see real Islam <laughs> over in uh, Jerusalem, uh, was it Jerusalem? Where is it? Where did he have to go? Uh, Mecca, 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 Mecca. He had to go to Mecca to call Hajj. Every, every Muslim is supposed to take their one trip to Mecca at least once in their lifetimes. So he did his Hajj and he saw people with the blondest of hair, the bluest of eyes, praying to the same God as him. And he got a chance to realize, oh my gosh, the way we had been taught about Islam was wrong. That it was only black and then right, no right. And all the white people were devils and all that. Anyway, mm -hmm. get back on the, get back on the subject. So at this point, it was right before uh, Cassius Clay's fight, and um, he came and met with Malcolm X for his uh, prayer. prayer. Mm -hmm. So and 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 that faith at the time, and probably still the case, they're supposed to pray five times a day. It is still the case. So he went to Malcolm X's hotel room to do his prayer right before his fight. It's interesting to me that Ali referred to that prayer with Malcolm before the fight as his insurance policy. Yeah, that was a beautiful concept as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, but don't forget the the um, the 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 photo shoot, that awesome photo shoot in the pool. That happened before the prayer. Now, that happened well before that happened. <laughs> um, in the lead up to the fight, you know, Ali, they was trying, Ali was trying to promote himself. And, um, and he had a, they had a pool um, somewhere where he was staying. Mm -hmm. And he got Life Magazine to come by. And Ali got this great idea. Hey, look, why don't you um, shoot me in the water, throwing punches underwater? That way I can, because that's my training method. That's what I do so I can punch so fast, okay? Mm -hmm. And he had never done it before, but he had told the magazine, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. This is how I get such fast hands, <laughs> punch under the water, okay? And uh, they bought into it, the whole thing. And then they did the pictures of it. And the pictures of it, the whole article came out before Beautiful, the fight. Though. It came out before the fight. So, mm -hmm. so everyone got a chance to see this young, loud mouth kid with this unusual training methodology of fighting underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Julie Ray said, gorgeous man. That's yeah. right, Muhammad Ali was. Hafida, good morning. Hafida Ben Kadel. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. <laughs> But so it was a very, very interesting moment. So then after he uh, went and met with, what I really liked about that, uh, that scene when uh, Cassius Clay came and met with Malcolm X to have the prayer was that it was so, you could tell it was so important to Cassius Clay. Yes. And that he was so respectful of the process. And that he was so respectful of, of learning and appreciative, and appreciative that Malcolm was his teacher. Yeah. Yep. But we're not going to tell you every bit and piece of the movie, <clears> but I do want to tell you some general themes. When the men, after Ali won the fight, mm -hmm. and they gathered in the hotel room. Now, Malcolm was, was charged at the time. He got these four, three, four men, four black men, four powerful men in their own right. Okay. Uh, titans of their own areas. Yeah. Okay. And Malcolm wanted them to do more for the cause. You know, Jim Brown is a pro football player. You know, Ali's a boxer. Sam Cooke is a singer. 
But he wanted them to use all whatever they were doing. Each one of your strengths, let's put them together and make the strongest strength. For the cause. Right, for the cause, the black cause. Because black people are dying every day. He don't want Sam Cook just to sing and be great. In his mind, he wasn't doing enough for the cause. Yes, and Jim Brown, none of you were doing enough. Now, and now that was to me a very important point, right? Mm -hmm. Because that happens even still today. We overlook other people's contributions because they don't look like ours. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that we look at our part and support and encourage someone else's part, but you don't have to disparage their part. Not only do you don't have to disparage, but it's how unfair is it for you to put what you think they should do on them? Right. As opposed to what they think mm -hmm. they should do. That's not fair to anybody. You know what you should do? You should be going down there picking up trash from the side of the road. You know, wait a minute, I'm a singer. Yes, right. But if you do it, other people will do it too. You'd be a better example. You could lead this mission. Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't want to lead that mission. I want to lead my own mission. Absolutely. How could you not? You know, that's that's an extreme example, but that's tantamount to what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important for all of us to come to that conclusion, though, <clears throat> that each of our individual strengths are important to be used in the way that God intends for you to use them. Yes. Yes. The way that God intends for you, not for someone else. And it's such a... Um, um, we have such a history of people putting that on each other, mm -hmm. and I really believe it drags each other down. However, now there is something to be said about spurring someone on. There is something to be said, because okay. in all honesty, I do not believe Sam Cooke would have uh, gone ahead and released um, Down by River, the River. The River. Mm -hmm. Right? I was born by the river y'all know the song in a little tent oh just like that river i've been running ever, ever since, since. y'all know the song absolutely it's been long. that song is so beautiful it is powerful. beautiful but do you you have to wonder if there had not been that moment of contention if there had not been that moment of awareness when they when um malcolm x brought um, what's his name? Song up. Uh, uh, Bob Dylan's song. Bob uh, Dylan's song. In the wind. Blowing in the wind. How many miles must a man walk down before you call him a man? Come yes. on. If he had not sort of spurned him on with that song and had some of those uh, moments in history had not happened, he may have not very well been compelled to to be bold enough because it, it did take some it took some boldness right it took some boldness to it because he was doing the dance music he was doing the pop music he was doing the, the soul love making that's music, what he was saying right? he it. was he was selling love but he wasn't at that moment yet doing any of the uh civil message, message type music that may be the case I, I so there's a balance in there i think he had eyes and ears too and yes. He saw the same things that everyone else saw, yes. and I think that pricks his spirit just as much. Absolutely, um, but, I but think they all go together. I do. I agree with you, right? Even though he saw the stuff going on in the, in the world around him, that he saw was ugly, and he saw it was painful, and he wanted to do something about it. But mm -hmm. he had something to sell at the time too. He did, and he also had his lane. 
Yes. Right? That's cool. That's probably lane. the biggest point his of lane. Sam Cook. He was helping the cause economically, economically in his lane. He was uh, one of the few African-American uh, singer-songwriters that owned their masters. Was producing other performers. Producing artists. other performers and getting opportunities for other performers to sell their music. Yep. And to gain royalties for it. Because he could have very well taken the masters for that other guy as the record label and mm -hmm. not given him royalties. That's right. That's he right. could have very well done that. Like, you sing it good, you can get all the money from that you want, but I'm taking it and I'm doing this with it. And these $250,000 over here, these mine. Right. He didn't do that. He put money in the other artist's pockets. He put money in the other artist's pockets, actually. Um, now, that wasn't Strange Fruit, uh, but I know the song you're talking about, Strange Fruit. Ooh, what a powerful song, especially in this day. Strange Fruit was, um, that's, yeah, um, that's, that's the song, might have been Billie Holiday, might have been someone of that ilk, <clears throat> but it's the song of Strange Fruit in the South. And what this song is about is um, hanging people from yeah. trees, people hanging from trees, you know, and you see that often, that's some strange fruit. Yeah. Okay. That's but that wasn't Sam Cooke. Okay. But those, but it's those types of messages. Yes, yes, yes. Those Message types songs. of messages that, you know, there are some people who say, you know, I don't want that in my song. That strange fruit was in the 20s. And I know it was in the 1920s because the singer of that song, they, they, um, uh, they kind of censored her to not sing that song anymore. Okay. The president didn't want to hear that song anymore. That was about the same time in the movie Birth. Nina, is it? Nina who? Who? Nina? That's what Julie says. Uh, not Nina Simone. Okay, we it's can look it up. Further back. Yeah, that. way further back. Okay, I can't I, look back. I can look back too, but then I lose my place. Yeah, and I lose it. <laughs> look it up. Somebody Google it. Google it. The Google song "Strange Fruit." Who who wrote it? And, who, and sang the, it. who sang it? Now a lot of people sang it. Try to come up with the original one if you can. Mm -hmm. uh, and the years. That'd be great if you were willing to do that for us. Absolutely. So. <laughs> What it is, is we oh. got so much sleep yesterday. Oh my goodness. I don't think I got up for more than <laughs> five minutes of the whole Sunday. You got up more than that because we had the hot tub too. Oh, oh we yeah. did the hot tub yesterday. Yeah, we did yesterday yeah, we morning. Did yesterday morning. And we, then after that, we stayed in bed. <laughs> we sometimes have you, when is the last time you had a day where you had too much sleep? Uh <laughs> We did. We got a lot of naps yesterday. It was good having too much sleep, Jack. She said yes. Nina Simone sang. Yes. Nina Simone sang it, but I, I don't think she's the original. She's not. Author, okay. Because she's not old enough. Nope. Nope. Um. So then you go to this fight. The fight is amazing. Mm -hmm. Now the fight, the movie makes it look like the fight lasted one round. It actually lasted six, six rounds. rounds. But the first round of the fight was probably the greatest round that anyone's seen. They actually showed two fights. Yes, they did. They showed the Henry Cooper fight, mm -hmm. which is the one right before he fought Sunday. This Henry Cooper over in London, who mm -hmm. was the number one boxer in London. And Ali was, had at the time, Ali made his fame by predicting the round <clears throat> that he would knock the guy out. Okay? Mm -hmm. He predicted the round. He would not, and they was like, who could predict the round? But Ali did. And very often he was right. Now, he predicted round five. He would knock out Henry Cooper. He got off the plane. He was on five, five. I'm gonna knock this guy out in five rounds. <laughs> and in the first round, second round, third round, he was toying with Cooper, but bloodying him up. <laughs> but playing with him. Playing with him, but bloodying his face up. Almost the way you play with a uh, see a cat play with a mouse. Yeah, but he was, but he was beating him up. 
but playing. And in round four, um, he was playing around. His man was badly battered. And near the end of the round, he kept his hands down too long. And yeah. Him, caught him yeah. left. And then knocked him into the ring, into the ropes, Ooh. and down. Ooh. Now, in actuality, Ali went down. And he was up like in the count of two or three. Ooh. But he was completely dazed. He stood up and ding, the round was over. Now, he went to his corner out of it. Okay. Now, in between rounds and box, you get one minute of rest. Now, what they didn't show in the movie, I'm just giving you guys some historical context. Um, his corner man, Angelo Dundee, uh, cut Ali's glove, like put a slit in it, and then kind of pulled it apart a little bit Ooh. in between rounds four and five. And then he told the referee, look, my, my fighter's glove was split. We got to get a new glove. We can't go out there with a split glove. To give him an extra minute. It gave him an extra, like, five more minutes. Yeah, so shame. somebody had to run back to the back of the arena, get a fresh set of gloves, come back out, and put the fresh set of gloves on. And that gave Ali enough time to clear his head and get back together. Mm. And when people talk about that, that's kind of like cheating. Kind of like cheating? Yes. That was cheating. <laughs> yeah. That was cheating. But anyway. But so. after that round, Ali got back, got right to business and knocked him out. Okay. I mean, um, it finished the fight. So that was amazing. But the main fight, the main fight, the the championship fight with Sonny Liston. Yes. Now, Sonny Liston was, again, like I said earlier, it was 8-1 favorite that Liston would win that fight. Okay? Liston had been destroying everybody within one to three rounds. People predicted that Ali would be knocked out in less than three rounds. That's what was the prevailing thought, uh, that he'd be knocked out in less than three rounds. Now, Ali thought he would win because he had the nation on the side. His trainer, Angelo Dundee, was sure Ali would win. He was positive of it. He thought it would be an easy fight. No one could understand. How, Angela, you're so respected, Angelo. We know you, Angela. You've been training other trainers. You've trained other champions. You know boxing. What's wrong with you to think that this kid is going to make it an easy fight over Sonny Liston? No watch. way. Hide and watch. <laughs> Hide and watch. But Angela was right because Liston could not hit him. He couldn't catch him. He couldn't. He could barely. You catch him once or twice here and there, Cutting. but not much. He was doing all of his floating and butterflying. Oh, thank you, uh, Miss Villa. She said Billy Holiday, Billy yes, Holiday yes. in 1939. 39, okay, cool. Well, <laughs> man, it was uh, it was a big thing I read about before. 21 was birth of a nation, so 39. So anyway, thank you very much. Billy Holiday, 1939. Who, who did that for us? That was Miss Phyllis. Miss Phyllis, I appreciate you. Thank you. Melissa Price is here. Good morning to you. How was your weekend? We're doing a movie review. So what I want to do in the remaining time of the review before we do the songs is um, I want Lisa and I to kind of delve into what each main character was at, what was going on. You know, we already talked about how Malcolm was silenced but on fire at the same time and under pressure. He was under pressure. He was under extremely pressure. under pressure, you know? Uh, he was under pressure by the nation. He was under pressure with his conscience. He was under pressure with his wife. He's under pressure. He had death threats over his head, mm -hmm. a lot of them, and his family, you know, death threats. So. And because of his role, he was also being, um, he was he was almost in a situation, the nation was in charge of him. Yes. They provided his means that he, he was home, dependent upon them. And not only, not only was that he depended upon them, they almost controlled his every move mm -hmm. because Kareem, brother Kareem, was assigned to him. Yep. And so he knew whatever he was doing, however he was doing, That's whatever right. he could report back 
to the nation. Yep. His bodyguards and driver were assigned to him. He didn't get a chance to pick those. So, but that, that was his head. Um, Jim Brown, he also realized that he had been the top of this game for a long time, mm-hmm. nine years. Mm-hmm. And he had did a movie that summer that he hadn't yet told his friends about. Mm-hmm. And um, a Western movie. And at the time, he was probably earning, you know, 25, 30 grand a year in the NFL season. But it took him two months to film that movie, and they paid him 35 grand back in 1963. He was like, whoa, I make all this much money and I'm shooting a movie. And, and nobody hit me. Nobody hit <laughs> me. You know, I, I wasn't even trying to be an actor, but they wanted me to be an actor. Maybe there's a future for me in this. Right. You know? And I thought that was a really interesting element as well for him to have that opportunity. Um, One of the most poignant scenes with Jim Brown happened also very early in the movie. Yeah, when he first arrived. He went to um, back his hometown on some island in South, uh, in Georgia, some island off of Georgia. And uh, one of the prominent people in the city wanted to see him. And he went to see that man and the man um, it started out estate, so hospitable. Beautiful estate, beautiful house. Jim Brown, at the time, again, legendary NFL running back, greatest football player and in the world. And treated him as such. They greeted him. He came out on the porch and got his woman to make him some lemonade. And he's sitting there. Couldn't be more nice than Jim. He's like, yeah, Jim, anything you need while you're on my island? Anything yeah, you, know, you need. Talking about those closed-minded people. Don't worry about them. We got your back, blah, blah, blah. He was all... So it was, it was, it was, it was unsettling to me. Well, Jim Brown was certainly appreciating the hospitality because not everyone on the island had treated them well. Absolutely. And he goes, don't worry about them. But then the wife came and says, um, honey, I'm sorry to interrupt, but she said you'd help me move that bureau in the room, move the dresser. And uh, he goes, oh, I apologize, sweetheart. I'm going to go do that right now. He jumps up to go move the bureau that his wife asked him to move. And Jim is, how could you not? He's sitting there. He knows he's an athlete. He said, hey, you about to move some furniture? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, why don't you let me help you with that? He goes, thanks, Jim, but I'm sorry. You know we don't let niggas in the house. And he turned around and left them on the front porch. As if he had just said, you know I don't like milk in my coffee. I mean, he said it so cavalier. You know I don't like uh, eggs with my bacon. We don't let niggas in the house. Oh, it was like, oh, my God. That (laughs) That was such an unsettling moment because it was so... Cavalier. And so opposite of what just happened moments Absolutely, ago. which harkened me back to the conversation that we all had on here uh, earlier last week when we were talking about how do you want your interactions? Do you want them to be respectful or do you want them to be truthful? And I'm telling you, that drove home for me the fact that I want them to be truthful. I don't want you smiling and carrying on and acting like we best friends and that's really not who who we are. Okay. I think I still maintain. <laughs> I know. You still would rather be cordial. Yeah, there's room for decorum and cordiality. And if you hate me underneath, behind your eyes, behind your smile, and you hate me because of who I am, I keep it to yourself. I don't need to know. It's none of my business what you're thinking of me. Mm. Okay. And that thought process of it's none of my business has kept a lot of prominent people sane. Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the first person I heard that from. I read his autobiography as well. Imagine him, seven feet tall, 17 years old in New York City. And grown people, they all get said the same jokes. You know, how's the weather up there? Ha, 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 ha. And man, da, da, da. Because it's okay to make fun 
of the freak, right? It's okay to make fun of them. So he had to come up with a strategy on how to deal with this talk. And the, what he came up with was, it's none of my business what they think of me. Okay, it only matters what me and my parents think of me. I absolutely think that that is a totally different thing. I understand your illustration, but I don't think that they are anything the same. Anyway, so we went to, we go from there, and now these four guys are hanging out together in the after party that is not a party. <laughs> Which is another thing, Jim Brown and Sam Cook and Cassius Clay, they wanted to party. Mm-hmm. But Malcolm X was like, no, I think this is a good moment for us to reflect. Now, what I talk. absolutely now I did appreciate um, the moment as well that um, that James Barnett, John Barnett, Jim sort Brown? of no, oh, yeah, John, John Barnett Brown? described. Okay, they were four powerful African American men, all in suits, having conversation, all accomplished, and I thought that that was a good moment to show. But I also um, think that it was good. I can't remember who said it, if it was Sam or if it was Jim or if it was, I, I can't remember who, but them saying that there's nobody else like us. Muhammad Ali said, Cassius Clay mm-hmm. said that to Sam Cook. You, you got, we have to stick together. Why? Because no one else is going to understand but us. Mm-hmm. No one else could understand this position, but they could think they could understand, but yeah. until you're in it, you know, Tiger Woods had a similar thought. Um, and when he talked to Michael Jordan, because Michael Jordan is the only one that probably could understand what it's like to be Tiger Woods. And, and for a season, that Tiger Woods was the number one athlete in the world. And for a season, there Jordan was the number one athlete in the world. And only number one athletes in the world can understand other number one athletes in the world. What it, what it takes, what it costs, what it, as black men at that, you know, what it entails, the pressures mm-hmm. that come with it, the public appearances. How you have to stay private? How do you how do you behave publicly? You know, so only they can understand that. You know, who could Michael Jackson talk to when he was in his heyday? You I know? think that was yeah. I think that was a challenge mm-hmm. that there that there was not people in his inner circle that were at the same level as he you know, or ever will be. I think right. That highlights a point that we all need peers to talk to, but we also need someone to push us. Um, Muhammad Ali would not have been Muhammad Ali if we didn't have Joe Frazier for an adversary and George Foreman and Ken Norton and Leon Spinks and Larry Holmes and his, I mean, Larry, those people in his life, those major, major, major pushers, mm-hmm. they were get, trying to get what he got. He had to do all he could to stay on top. Mm-hmm. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard would not have been Sugar Ray Leonard if it hadn't been for Tommy Hearns and Roberto Duran and Marvin Hagler and Benito Benitez, Wilfredo Benitez, those kinds of amazing talented people that were every bit as good as him but he had to be in, inches more better to beat them mm-hmm. you know because they were just as talented you know and they wanted it too they wanted to win as well absolutely but you so you have to dig deep and if you don't have someone like that that you're competing with going back to even another line if you don't have anyone to be accountable to mm-hmm. it's hard for you to really reach your level i think accountability is a critical component um it's a key and critical component i think that that was sort of what Malcolm ascribed yeah. for himself. And for the other guys? That's what I mean, to the other guys. Yes. Yeah, he was ascribing himself as the voice of accountability. Making it his job. Yeah. To hold those back men accountable. Mm-hmm. Now, right. the challenge can always be that ain't nobody asked you. That's right. 
I didn't ask you, for, and I want that. From I don't you. want that from you. I didn't ask you for it, and you know, good luck for you. But that's not what I want. Good morning, Brittany. Good morning. Good morning. It's nine thirty-two. It's time for the song. Let's go do the songs today. Now, if you don't know, this is your first time visiting. We don't. We've never done a movie review on this show before, so we kind of had some fun with it today. But this is still Monday, the first day of your work week. Now, on Mondays, just like we do every day. We like to take time to thank those of you who are consistent contributors to the show. Uh, where's your charger? I'm not going to hit it. We'll just end the show when it's over. Okay, because we got low battery now, so we might die on you. That um, 10%. We're all right. Um, consistent contributors have been rocking with us for years. The way we do that was the greeting songs or greeting logos, and it goes a little something like this. Who's first? Yvette. Dear Yvette. Dear Yvette. Dear Yvette. Yvette, dear Yvette, I can hear the volume from my There's nothing I can do, so I already turned down as far as if you go with the thing. Let me tell you, we had so much fun at this this weekend. We played some games where we got a chance. We played a game like was almost like the modern day version of the newlywed game, where we got a chance to make sure see which couples know each other best. At least not one. (laughs) (laughs) We know each other the best out of the three couples that were here. That's funny. We probably spend more time together than any of Ms. the other Vivian's couple. Miss here. Vivian. Vivian Reed is here. Vivian Reed is here. Now the show can go on. on. Good morning, Miss Vivian. How you doing? Yes, we did. We, we demonstrated that we know each other as a couple better than the other two couples knew each other. <laughs> and one of the other couples had been married for 12 years. But in the game that we played, Lisa and I, because well, we're around each other all the time. I know lot. Lisa and she knows me pretty good. Um, there were there were just very few questions that was asked that we didn't both agree on the answer of. You know, there was one question I'll let you know um, that Lisa got incorrectly, you know, was which one of the two of us is funnier? Which one of us is funnier? Okay. And Lisa thought it was her, but that's a mistake. Because it's not her. It's definitely me. How did I do this here? Stop touching it. Okay. Yes. So what say you? (laughs) Those of you who have been around the show longer long enough, who's funnier? Lisa or Brian? Now, funnier, just simply funnier. Who made you laugh more? Okay. And we'll see who gets the right answer. Miss Phyllis is here. Look at the screen. It's right on the screen. Good morning, Miss Phyllis. What are you talking about? She says, good morning. Right. How do you say who's next? It's on the screen. That could have been held over from I just before. Put it up there. See? See? Skeleton. Um, Miss Phyllis <laughs> is here. So clear the way. Miss Phyllis is here. Oh, now we can all have a great Lord. day. Notice how I can make Lisa laugh. Good morning, Miss Phyllis. <laughs> Miss Tamara Atwater's here. Tamara Atwater. Tamara Atwater. Children, Tamara Atwater. Ivy Hilton Crochet, Tamara Atwater. Good morning, Miss Tamara. Miss Julie Ray Hammondtree is here. Go ahead. Julie Ray Hammondtree. Find out what she means to me. Julie Ray Hammond Tree. Find out what she means to me. 
Good morning, Julie. Beverly says, move something Monday. Motivate yourself. Good morning, everyone. And Dr. Beverly is on the show. Dr. Beverly uniquely taking over Thomas. How you doing, my sister? Amen. Who we got? Who we got? Who we got? Anybody Who we else? Got? I think so. I think I saw Brittany. Oh, it's Melissa. Melissa Bryce is here. Now it's time for us to sing her song. Melissa song. Good morning, Miss Melissa Price. Good morning. This is my Melissa. old tablet. No, it's not. See that crack? This is the one that I replaced. It is not. I dropped it. This is mine. Yours is much more cracked. Please my let old me tell one. you. This is not yours. I'm going to put you in the headlock if you keep using that tone of voice, young lady. Because you just make so many assumptions. And when you assume. It's Brittany. <laughs> it's Brittany. It's Brittany. Brittany Thomas. It's, it's Brittany, Brittany. It's Brittany. It's Brittany. 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 It's your time. It's your time. Yeah. Good morning, Miss Brittany Thomas. How was your weekend? Good morning. Did you have a good weekend? <laughs> I Hope think you that's did. it. That's everybody. Okay, good. And if you thought that was cute, you thought that was fun, you want a song of your own, you can get one. You can get one. Hang out with us and recommend the song. We'll get you a song. Absolutely. Um, I am excited that today is Monday. You know, we got a four-hour drive ahead of us. Mm -hmm. That's all. Just four hours. We'll be home soon. And we get to go back to work. We did not do much work while we were here. No, I did some mind mapping, but I didn't do any work. Because I just really relaxed. Because um, this is what this trip was for. Miss Phyllis says, can the info for the cabin be shared, please? I'm happy to share it. I'll share it. Let me it. tell you about that. Okay, Because I've got a couple of requests about, can you info the links? Now, one of the perks that Lisa and I have is we have a travel person. Mm -hmm. Okay, her name is Tara Lyles. We don't mind sharing her. And we've had her for many years now. Maybe three, mm -hmm. four years we've been using Tara for travel. A conversation with Tara is better than any link that we could send you. Absolutely. We can send you a link, but a conversation with, see, Tara's been our travel person for years, so what she could do is she could find deals for us based upon what she thinks we like, like she found this deal. Mm -hmm. And then she found the deal first, and then she reached out to us to see if we wanted to make it happen. So I would say to you, those of you who want information on the cabin trip, because you're up in New York, Miss Phyllis, I let our travel lady, Tara, she might be able to recommend a cool spot within driving distance of where you are. Right. You might want to go to the Poconos instead of coming all the way down here. Hey, Kashmira. Good morning. She says, hi, Brian. I catch your lives here because it is almost the end of my day as you both begin your show. I love the both of you. Lisa is incredible. And oh, you are not too shabby, too. Thank you both for being so real. <laughs> Kashmira, thank you Kashmira, so much. Uh, this is someone that we met through B team, I believe. Probably. Yep, yep. Thank you very much, um, Kashmir. That was a nice thing to say. <laughs> Lisa's incredible, but you are I. Kashmir, that's so funny. Um, some people have said something similar to Lisa and that thanks for being real with us. When Lisa's tripping, I'll let y'all know. They appreciate that. Miss you Willis know? <laughs> <laughs> um, is, uh, yes, she is up north, but her daughter is here. But when she comes down, she might want to do something down south. Yes. Well. Now, 
I, I did a video this morning and the video I titled it, um, just go, just go. And I used the African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go far, go together. And the pre I use that as a premise to suggest to you that you should go and travel, but go and travel with other people. That helps to defray the cost. It makes the trip more safe. It makes it more fun even when you go with other people. Partner up with other people that you know, friends of yours, and you all go in together to get you a villa, to get you a house, to rent a place. You guys do it together. It's just a much better experience. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. So that's my suggestion. Now we're gonna we're gonna get knocked off on here before the end of the show, I suspect. Mm -hmm. But if we do, we still love you. Absolutely, we appreciate you. Uh, Miss Brittany, Brittany says she did have a great weekend. I'm glad you had a great weekend. I'm certainly looking forward to hearing more about what you guys did over the weekend. So please feel free to share. I think that it would be great to uh, to show them around the cabin. What do you think? I don't, but I do want to do this uh, okay. <laughs> because February is going to be here next week. Okay, today is the 25th, so this month ends this week. But in February, we have three showcases mm -hmm. in February. The first one, I think, is February the 6th. Yes, February what the 6th. February 6th? It mm -hmm. is the power of Black history, and we have, uh, we have six amazing speakers that we'll be talking about. We have Dr. Deborah, she'll be speaking about healing. We have Dr. Barbara Peacock, she'll be speaking about spirituality in the African-American community. And we have uh, Miss Donna Reed, Donna Lee Reed, will be talking about helps and the power of helps in the African-American community. We have Michael Carson talking about the power history. of invention mm -hmm. in African-American history. We have our very own Brian Keith McNeil talking about the power of communication in African-American history. And none other than Evan uh, Jefferson will be sharing with us as it relates to money in African-American history. So that's African-American history event. Um, well, the whole month will be focused on African-American history. Why are you doing African-American history? Because it's Black History Month. That's not just why. And, oh, yeah. and, and because so much of the history that we grew up learning about it's been omitted, never learned. And and limited, right? Yes. And that's also why I didn't wait till February. If y'all have noticed, we've been talking about African-American history and we're still in January. We've been talking about this since early January about African-American history and bringing up different things. We could actually fill the entire year with African-American history if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, we sh I'm looking forward to receiving our books on February the 2nd where we will be able to have an, uh, 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 an African-American, a notable African-American contribution for every single day because we receive our books from right. Michael Carson. Like, um, if you remember, Michael Carson is the guest we had a couple Fridays ago. He wrote three amazing books. One is um, on great African-American inventors, uh, musicians, musicians, and, and today you know, in African-American history. Yes, today in African-American history. Something for each day of the year, which we think is great. And this is a, he, I, I, I know I'm messing this up because he looks younger than he actually <laughs> is. I was getting ready to say, this is from a young man, but he's yeah. actually in his 40s. Okay? Yes, 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 yes. He looks like he's in his late 20s. I thought surely I was old enough to be his dad, but I'm not. Good morning, Bill. Today on One Word Conversations, the word of the day is contentment. And Bill Brown's special guest, 
Pamela Dreswecki. Shepard Dreswecki. Shepard Dreswecki will be joining him right here on the Empowerment Duo page on the Empowerment Network. Absolutely. Good morning to our friend Bill. Nobody thinks like him still. <laughs> you gonna sing the song? I just did. No. Good morning to our friend Bill. Nobody thinks like him still. We love him so and we always will. Our friend Bill. Good morning to our friend Bill. That's right. Good morning. Good morning. Whoo! It has been a long and restful week. And I think I need weekend and I think I need some rest from my rest. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very possible sometimes. Uh, sometimes we go so much on the weekends, but we didn't go so much. We stayed in no. the house, stayed in the house, house, hot, hot tub, tub house, it. hot tub, bed, hot tub. By the way, I did play stage yesterday. Uh, oh, to the, it wasn't fair. It, it wasn't, wasn't fair. Pretty. It wasn't fair either. It wasn't good. Me and our brother uh, Bryce obliterated Michelle and her husband Chad. Now, when we first mentioned we were going to play, they said, "Oh, we don't mind giving lessons. We beat them." by like 400 something points no, okay no. how you beat someone by 400 points in spades because we're on a different level than them oh my see, goodness you the, see that's why i don't on play the level, on the level that's that they're why I don't at play with they thought that was good no. well, on the level that they're at they probably good but they stepped into a new arena oh, playing against Lord us have mercy they played heaven. against some spadeologists and they weren't ready okay spadeologists yeah they weren't ready so we had to <coughs> obligatorily obliterate them. It was no mercy. There will be no mercy on the space table. No mercy. No, no one. Mercy. We had a pool table downstairs, and I played pool several times by myself because no one was courageous enough <laughs> to step up. Yeah. Brother Roy is like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, how you beat someone? 400 points. Yes. We beat them by that many points. And the game only went to 350. Because they ended up in a hole. They ended up negative. And why they ended up negative? Because they kept thinking they had good hands. <laughs> We're going to go for seven. We're going to go for seven. We sat them so many times on seven. <laughs> wow. That was awesome. Oh, I could take a mediocre hand and play it better than they did. Which is what you I did. so on horrible. Hand. Hey, hey, hey. It is what it is. <laughs> You are so horrible. They thought they had good hands and they got obliterated. <laughs> that is horrible. That is it horrible. was horrible. horrible. I ain't even want to play them anymore. I was like, nah, that's it. <laughs> nah, we got you, Bill. We got you. We got your song out there. All that fresh air. That, and I think, I really think, Julie Ray, that had a lot to do with it. The air was beautiful. It was magnificent. Mm -hmm. Roy says, check the cards. Now, um, that was my first time playing with these cards. I ordered, I probably saw the ads on Facebook, these waterproof African cards. Um, I'm playing cards. We had like African people on it, kings and queens. The cards are gold, you know, and they're, they're really, really uh, strong looking, strong cards. And that was my first time playing with that deck of cards. We broke it out. And I probably never slice and dice and slash and dash anybody as worse as we did them. So on my first time playing with that deck of cards, that's what happened. So those are your lucky cards now. <laughs> if you're skilled, you don't need luck. Okay. Check the cards, Roy. I understand what you're saying, man. Those are a brand new deck of cards. 
Bill said, was the lesson, don't overplay your hand. They needed that lesson, Bill, before the game started. They got excited when they got a good hand. Ooh, I got a joker. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Lord have oh. mercy. And we, we, we handled them. Oh, oh it was terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was as if I took my belt off to them. Oh, my goodness. I know they might see this. I did not play because I do Lisa not. doesn't understand half the game. Half the game is psychological warfare, and Lisa does not understand that at all. That's why she can't play spades. Whatever. Because she don't understand that that's a part of the game, baby. It is the part that I don't Roy, like. tell her. That's a part of the game. I know how to play spades. You don't know how to play spades. But I do not know how to trash talk. You know how to play spades the way someone learns how to ride a bicycle in a classroom. You can explain to them all you want. You they even understand the rules. You have to get up on the bike, pedal this way, balance yourself that way, turn. You understand all of that technically. But until you get on the bike, until you talk some trash, you don't know how to play. You don't know how to ride until you ride. You don't know how to play yet, baby. That's just that. <laughs> Whatever. She don't know how to play spades. She can't handle pool. <laughs> no, I don't know how to play pool. I can teach you. <clears throat> I've tried to teach you at least once. Okay. I don't know if you did or not. I am terrible on games because every time I play one of these games, I expect to win. Lisa finds that I was, that's bad. I expect that I'm going to win. She thinks that's bad. He has no sportsmanship. I have a lot of sportsmanship, but I expect to win. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to play against someone who's going to come on the table with me and not try to win. Mm -hmm. You're going to play against me. Try to win. Uh, Roy says, it's all in your partner and you're able to communicate without talking. Oh, my gosh. Now, that's the other thing, Roy. The team we played against, they were a husband-wife team, and they attempted to talk across the board. We weren't having that. They were saying stuff like, oh, that's such a good play, honey. You know, yeah, come with, come on with those. Yeah. I know she's telling him to play that suit again. Let's talk across the board. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they tried those moves mm -hmm. on us. Punk step up to get beat down. Well, we're going to get out of here five minutes early. You're going to go ahead and stay, stay tuned for... Um, Coffee Time with Coach Ja. Stay tuned for Coffee Time with Coach Ja. He will be up at 10 a.m. right here on the Empowerment Network. And at 11 a.m. At 11 a.m. You got one more conversation with William Brown. And his special guest today is Pamela Shepard-Driswecki. And the word is contentment. Send your prayers to us for Traveling Mercies. And we love you. I am Lisa Santiago McNeil. And I am Brian Keeping you. And we'll see you later. Tomorrow. Don't forget to have sex. Bye.